Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Here we go. I have pressed the button and the Starship rocket has literally lifted off from the launch pad. I am so excited to talk with my guest today. Who are they? Who are they, Casey? Stop talking. She is a writer, a speaker, an editor, an award-winning podcaster and podcast influencer, renowned science communicator. In fact, she won the number one science podcast in 2018. Damn, her work has also been featured in USA Today, Time, Cosmo, and a bunch of other places. Managing Editor at Descript, Ashley Hamer, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It'll be fun. How did we hear you? Why are you here? This is amazing. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to chat with you. Just learn from you today. I've got my pens, I have multiple pens ready, the notebook. We're ready to go. So let me ask you this question to start this whole thing off. Ashley, pull back the curtain for us on your show and your experience and share your most important strategy for great narrative podcast? Yeah, I think if I had to really nail down one like headline tip for a great narrative podcast, it's honestly the same that I would give for a great interview podcast, and that is your guest. I think the quality of your guest is probably the most important for, for any podcast because, you know, you are the same person from episode to episode. You can do all, all you can do to make your show a great, uh, a great experience. But, you know, you're bringing on a wild card and that person can make or break your episode. Um, so I think really the, the best thing you can do is really reach for getting the best guests you can and, um, and then writing great questions, uh, having enough guests, because in a narrative podcast, you can have multiple guests. So getting as many guests as you can for a broad point of view uh, is is really important, too. And yeah, writing the interview questions and doing the interview that you want to do in the way that you envision your episode happening, basically. Yeah. Oh, I love that. OK, let's break this down. You need okay. to get a great guest in there. And I heard you say, you know, start with getting them. And so mm -hmm. I think back, you've had, you, you've had multiple people you're interviewing on a single show. How do you get the great guests? Or, or maybe even before that, how do you know they're a great guest beforehand? Yeah, so you have to do all, you know, you have to do your research. Uh, my, my experience is in science podcasts. So I was uh, one of the creators and uh, original hosts of the Discovery podcast, Curiosity Daily. And I, I am currently the, the host of a podcast I made called Taboo Science. And the way that you figure out who the right guest is for any given episode of those, of those podcasts is, you know, doing your research. If you want to do an episode about a particular topic, you know, start Googling, uh, start looking for, you know, what I like to do is say, like, put into the Google search bar topic and then say, researcher or scientist or something like that start looking at who's done the most work in that area uh and 
really not even necessarily the most work, but the most recent work is really good so that they're so that it's fresh in their minds. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're not doing a science podcast there, that's a, you know, you still Google around, look on social media, look on all sorts of, you know, wherever your uh, your topic is is most likely to be. Makes sense. Putting some time and attention into that to avoid. I mean, I've had people that don't really know anything as a guest on before, and you don't really know that until you get into question two or three, and you're like, "Oh no, I'm stuck! Like, what do I do?" And I could have solved that by just doing a little bit of googling. I wonder if you putting topic plus researcher plus scientist that second word being critical because you're self-selecting for people that have that deep knowledge that you want to interview. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've totally had that experience where like early, early on in Curiosity Daily, you know, because we were we were a science podcast, but we kind of were accepting anybody because we were new, you know, especially like, when you have a new show, you you don't really, you, you know, you don't ask for that much. And uh, <laughs> we had someone on who I think gosh, we had to cut like 75% of the interview because she just kept, she said things that were not scientifically accurate and we could not play them. So we, we did some fancy editing and I, I popped in and explained some things behind the, the interview, but uh, that, was a, that was a bad experience and we learned from that and definitely did our research from then on. Wow, bad experience. That makes me kind of want to dwell on it. <laughs> so tell me, uh, um, you had to afterward explain or just sort of clarify, did you have to, See, this is the difference, the factual podcast and some of the people listening have maybe it's more businessy and then uh, that could just make it boring content. But if it's factual, it could be health. It could be, in this case, science. People are Mm -hmm. out there probably getting triggered left and right because you said that, you know, the rocket had, you know, 12, you know, engines instead of three, like people probably getting really triggered out there. So what did you have to do? Like, and, and why did you do it? Yeah, so we the the way that we had already structured our show at the time, our Curiosity Daily went through many iterations. I'm not even sure it was called Curiosity Daily at the time, but the way that we had it structured was my co-host ran the interview and then I would pop in with little it was almost like behind the music, like little pop in like, "Oh, did I you know that. that this little yeah. fact about one whatever." And so that actually made it very easy for me to pop in just a few more times <laughs> to okay, be like, cool. actually, you know, scientists say that this isn't really true, but maybe, you know, what she really means or, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to put words into the guest's mouth. And if there was something that was completely factually inaccurate, we just didn't include it. But um, if there was something that needed a little bit more context to be totally accurate, that was when I would come in and, and talk about it. But that's something that you can do on any podcast. You know, you can you can just pop in and be like and. Because sometimes, uh, sometimes a guest forgets a date or something, or they forget a fact, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know who, whoever it was." And so it makes sense for you to pop in and be like, "Hey, host here. This is actually what they said." Uh, so, so if that happens to you, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, I'd never even thought about the fact that you know what happens if they have you ever had this where they they state a fact during a conversation and you know, like on the spot, you know it, it's not true not real yes Mm -hmm. and then how do you handle that what do you do yeah actually that's that's a time when especially if i've if i've done my research and like i know that this person is really knows a lot and they say something that i i know is not actually true first of all i'll be humble and i'll be like maybe i'm wrong like maybe i'm the one who's mistaken 
So that's a great way to approach that that situation is to be like, yeah, but I thought that this was the this was what was happening. And then they can correct you or they can explain why actually both things are true, you know. Um, so it's always good to ask. It's always, you know, you don't have to be confrontational about it. But um, and if they, you know, if they push ahead and then you look into it later and you're like, no, that wasn't right at all, then, you know, you take care of it in the edit. Yeah. And the fact that there is an editability, I think sometimes we're a little bit more conversational. We're like, well, we're stuck. We have to deal with it. But you're right. If, if you disagree with someone, you just chop it out. You don't have to include it in the episode. Yeah, I think even when you're conversational, even at a chat show, you you're the host, you're the you're the person who's putting the podcast out there. You it is totally fine to edit the podcast, even even not to take out factual inaccuracies, but even just to make the conversation flow in a way that makes more sense. Uh, you know, if you if you didn't really like nail the introduction stuff altogether and the outro stuff altogether, like you can put those things together so that it makes sense to your listener. Um, and I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think it's, it's something you should do. Yeah, like really craft the story. I think that's, and mm -hmm. I'm so glad to talk to you about this and really kind of roll up our sleeves on narrative because I think sometimes you can be like purists about a conversation like, oh, it's Joe Rogan. We're hitting start. We're hitting record. We're not going to touch it ever. Like it's a religion and then we're just going to let it ride. You know, like if, if somebody on that podcast goes to the bathroom, they don't just let it record for 10 minutes. They like hit pause and they get back. So yeah, talk to me about what, what have you experienced in, in the narrative world? First of all, what is a narrative podcast? That's a really, that's something that I've been struggling with myself. I, I, I've just recently landed on that for like the kind of thing that I do because I really, the way that I think of, especially taboo science, it's like, I, I start with an interview. That's that's my that's the the nugget of what those episodes are. But the difference is that in an interview podcast, you hear two people talking to each other the entire time. And the way that I edit the podcast is I am the storyteller and you hear supporting information from the interviewee. So it's not you you, you probably don't even hear me ask a question or, or talk to them uh, at all in, in an episode. I mean, sometimes you do, but but usually you don't. So in that sense, I think the narrative is coming from me. I am I am the narrator and the interview is just someone who is supporting that narrative. So really a narrative podcast is it's a story. But you could you could say that every podcast should be a story too, right? The same thing I was saying about interview podcasts. There's there's a, a beginning, middle, and end. So or there should be. You know, I was actually just mm -hmm. listening to a podcast that didn't have that. It didn't have that. It didn't really give enough credit to the before, during, and after, the, the idea of what questions to ask now and later. And it got kind of boring because it was like a buckshot scattering of different questions all over the place. Present, future, future, present, all, you know, personal, business. And then it was just really hard to follow. And it wasn't until I listened to that episode where I thought, man, it is really important that we give the story more credit. And whether it's an interview where you hear the two people, like you're saying, or or even more important, where you, the narrator is guiding the whole thing that we're thinking about this in advance. Talk to me about how you prepare. How do you design it? Do you do the interview and then piece it all together? Or do you have a plan at the beginning 
and then try to fit the interview to like check the boxes. So it's it's a little of both. Uh, at the very beginning, when I'm first thinking about the topic that I want to cover and I'm and I'm looking for interview guests, I'm thinking about questions that I want to answer. Uh, Taboo science, the the kind of tagline is answering the questions uh, you aren't allowed to ask. And so a lot of times when it's a topic, like for example, our, our first episode um, of the of season three was about addiction. So there are a lot of questions about addiction that I think people have. And one of those is, for example, uh, you know, I think a lot of us in school were taught that you if you do heroin, you're going to get addicted on the first dose. That's that was like a very common one. And actually, when I was right. Yeah. Yeah. And when I started talking to people about, you know, me doing this this episode, they they brought that up themselves. And so it's like, well, this that seems like something that's really important to cover. So I'll I'll have uh, I'll have some of those ideas kind of brewing when I'm first planning out the episode. But then and and I'll ask those questions of the uh, of the guest. But a lot of time, once I've done the interview, I realize, wow, they had some things that I didn't even think to ask. And and some some parts of this topic are like way more complex or way more interesting than I thought. And so after I had that interview, that's really when the full breadth of the of the story of the the narrative kind of comes together uh, okay so as an aside was that true do people usually get addicted from once so interestingly people are more likely to get addicted to tobacco than to heroin they in studies yeah. there, there's actually a higher incidence of of people addicted to uh, tobacco after trying it once than there are people addicted to heroin after trying it once. So I definitely understand that when you talk to the guests, that's when the details really come to light and you're allowing yourself to hear topics that you never even thought might appear. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you prep a little bit in advance so that you know where to go and where to start fishing. Do you Can you recall any moments where you heard these nuggets, you heard in the conversation, these topics come up and you thought, oh, that's something I haven't planned for, but you want to go with it. You want to like chase that and follow it where it goes. Oh, yeah. That happens all the time. Like, yeah. And how do you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, I think I know when it's a good topic to chase when... Like my heart beats a little bit faster, right? Or like I'm, or my jaw kind of drops when they say something. Uh, those are really just kind of checking in with my own body. Honestly, is is a really good way to know that like this thing that they just said, other people are going to react to that in the same way, and I need to I need to follow up on that question. Uh, so yeah, I treat my interview questions that I prepare ahead of time as a very loose guideline. I mean. I think when I when I first started doing interviews, I, I actually didn't write questions because it was just like what you're talking about. It's like, oh, just it's a conversation. It's natural. Like, let's just go where where we need to go. And uh, I as I've gotten more experience, I definitely uh, realize how important interview questions are. But you don't have to be beholden to them. Like once someone says something that you have another question about that isn't written down, absolutely go for it and start talking about that topic. Yeah, I totally can get that. You know, it's interesting that you you took that approach where it was like completely unscripted and then you started writing some particular questions to start with. 
Um, a lot of people start the opposite way, especially in the interview podcast where it's like, let me have like 20 different questions. Sometimes they're custom, sometimes they're not. And then as they get more comfortable and confident, they drop some of those and then just chase after the follow-up questions. But either way, it definitely feels good having a few things handy. Yes, definitely. And you know what? I think that speaks to, like what I was doing, that speaks to the desire of a beginner to appear like a professional or appear like someone who's really experienced. And like, if you do the things that experienced people do, then you'll be, you know, you'll be ahead of the game, right? Which is the same thing, I think, with people who really want to do like the Joe Rogan type thing with their interview podcast. Just just play the entire conversation as the podcast. No, don't touch it with any edit. It's like Joe Rogan can do that because he has talked to thousands of people. He he has interviewed thousands of people and he knows exactly how to run a conversation. But if you're just starting a podcast, if you have don't have that many interviews under your belt, uh, the edit is really going to be helpful for you because maybe that conversation didn't turn out the way that you that it would have after a ton of experience. So being able to move things around and cut things out in the edit will make for a much more it, it'll it'll save a lot of things like it'll it'll make up for a lot of inexperience, I think. That's such a great point. I think whiskey helps, too. <laughs> sure. So talk to me about the edit process. And I, I hear all these different importances. It's you can speed things up, you can chop things out. And what kind of things are you looking for? What kind of things are top of mind when you have all these raw recordings and you're starting the editing process? Yeah, I what I'll do first, uh, I use Descript to to go through my my interviews. The cool thing about Descript is that you know, you see everything is in a transcript. So it's basically like you've, I mean, what I used to do before I used Descript was I would run my my recording through a transcription app and then I would edit it in Google Docs and now Descript kind of just puts that all together. So I'll go through my transcription and I will look for things when, where the, the guest talked about something that I want to cover um, or said something that was really interesting. And I will highlight those those moments. Uh, then you can do this really cool thing in Descript called copy highlights, where you literally, it will just copy everything you highlighted and you can paste it into a new composition. So then you have everything there that you wanted to include. And at that point, I rearrange everything by theme. So if they talked about, you know, getting hooked, like how, how, whether you get hooked for the first time, you know, on heroin or whatever, like I put all of those quotes into their own section. And then I put all of the quotes about, you know, the other the other topics they talked about into their own sections. And once I have all that, then I can see what my episode is going to be about. Basically, I see like, oh, OK, we covered these 10 themes. Uh, and then I start making an outline that kind of touches on each of those and and makes narrative sense to go uh, from each of these topics, like there are good segues from one to the other. You see all the pieces in front of you and now you start mapping them out. We talked earlier about this idea of the story arc and, and making there some sort of challenge and drama. How do you build that in? I, I gotta, gotta imagine that people are expecting a, a, like a faster paced, a higher sense of like something is going on and a little bit more drama. It's not just us hanging out, like things are happening. It's quick paced. 
How, how do you map that out? How do you create that? That's, that's something I'm still working on, honestly. I find it difficult to do with a nonfiction podcast. There are, there are masters of the craft who can do it really well. Uh, and it's something that I'm really trying to learn because I think when you have a legitimate story, like an actual, like there's a character and this character did, did this and then that and then that. That's somewhere where there it makes a lot of sense for there to be like conflict and resolution and like a, a a climax to the story. But when you're just explaining a topic, I mean, maybe that's where I'm going wrong in the in the beginning, right? It's it's I need to have an actual point of view, an actual uh like thing that I'm saying and and an actual story with an actual character. Um that's how it's been taught to be a lot, uh, even even with nonfiction. But when you just have a topic that you're talking about, it's really hard to find a place where the climax is going to be. But what I will do so far, like my my approach to that right now is to find the place where there's emotion. So, for example, in this most recent episode, the guest talked about her daughter because I was asking, you know, how do you help people who are are facing addiction? Now, her her daughter isn't isn't experiencing addiction, but she is a teenager, and you know, you have a lot of conflict with teenagers if you're a mom. And so she started kind of talking about like the conflicts she's had with her daughter and the ways that she's tried to just be there for her and just sit with her, even if if her daughter doesn't want to talk to her. Uh, and you know, it it there was a I remember during the interview kind of feeling like, oh, like this is really, this is touching. Um, and I realized like that is a place where I want to have it kind of right before the end. I want that to be the place where people kind of end the, I want that to be the ending note. Um, so again, emotion is, is a good, that's a good waypoint uh, to look for. And, I, and I, I wonder then, do you, I mean, how much of you in the interview is going, Okay, something's happening here. Or you've checked in with yourself. You're feeling the heartbeat. And you're like, I need to follow this because I know I need emotion for the later narrative. Or are you just kind of like lost in the interview? I'm, I'm just kind of lost in the interview. And then okay. when I go back through it, I, I remember how I felt. Okay. Uh, but that's and so the way that you kind of hold on to that, I think, is just you, you should review the interview sooner than later. You know, don't don't put it away <laughs> for a month. <laughs> Uh, because it's point. hard to remember. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I'm sure there are more organized ways to to keep track of that. Um, and I'm sure I could probably like a good way to to do that. And maybe I'll start doing that if if I have trouble is uh, to write down the timestamp of of places that these things happened. I know that many people uh, swear by that. Um, but yeah, I just I just kind of go with my gut. So in my mind, I wonder, do you ever have interviews where this doesn't happen and does that, does that episode just totally suck at the end because you never found emotion or what? So you are, uh, figuring out my, <laughs> the reason that I, that I do the podcast the way I do originally. I mean, I've, I've come, I've come to really enjoy and, and I think the structure really works, but, uh, the reason I started doing it this way was because, I didn't trust my own interview skills and I didn't I didn't trust that that uh, a conversation on its own was going to really carry it. And also, 
Uh, I'm also just a kind of person who really loves telling people facts. I just love sharing like stuff. I'm the kind of person at a party who will be like, oh my gosh, did you know this about, uh, you know, narwhals? And um, so- Narwhals are awesome. <laughs> they are awesome. That, uh, that I, you know, did you know that a narwhal's tusk is actually uh, one of its teeth? It's just one tooth um, that wow. comes out of its mouth and through its forehead. It's so weird. Uh, wow. Anyway. So they're kind of like, they're kind of like country bumpkins of the ocean. They are, yeah, yeah. It's just like one snaggle tooth that's real long. Yep. No. Yeah. Um, Swimming through the but, ocean, causing a commotion <laughs> because they are so awesome. It's a beautiful poem. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's actually a song. But, Do you know the normal song? Oh no! I see. I I thought you just wrote that off the top. Oh of your no! Head. no I was beautiful though, right? No, there's uh, if you go on Spotify, there's narwhals are awesome is a song. And once you listen Great. to it, you'll never get it out of your head. Um, I'm, I'm for later. Up after this. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But sir, but... you were you're talking about facts. You were talking about yes. facts. So you the, the combo of me, yeah, the combo of me, like not starting this out, um, not having a lot of confidence in my own interview skills. I think I've really improved since I started the podcast. Uh, and loving to share facts means that if I have a bum interview, I get to break it apart and put in as much of my own narration as I want. So if there's nothing that I particularly that made my heart race, you know, in the interview, uh, I can add those things in and I can turn the episode into what I want it to be. So you can speak the emotion into it as the narrator. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Cool. So there really is that control over it where you try to get the guests to do it, but no worries. It's not like you need to stress. If they don't do it, I will speak some emotion into it and be. I'll create the emotion. But does it always have the emotion, would you say? There's always some kind of... That's what I, I try to. I, I yeah. you know, I'm not going to say that I'm successful every time, but uh, that's that's the aim. Yeah, I think that's okay. just the way that that I know that I've I've done it right. Talk to me about the emotions. Uh, have you had anyone cry on you? Ooh, I I have have I? I don't think so. I know I've gotten a little bit weepy and i try to hide it but like i've gotten a little little misty eyed when people are as the interviewer or as a guest as the interviewer as the interviewer um i can't i can't really recall exactly what the interview was but uh yeah sometimes sometimes people say things that are just really moving and i i get a little bit uh a little emotional i did i did recently have a baby so it's happening more often it's crazy when you you have a, a a kid suddenly like all all emotion is just raw and out there. It's it's wild uh, how oh, I've changed. Talk to me but... about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Well, uh... You've got two, and I'm literally trying not to cry watching Love Is Blind. So yeah, I don't even know what's yeah. going on anymore. <laughs> I don't know how how it does that to you, but yeah, I've I've really uh I've become a big sap since since that. But um yeah yeah uh guests have definitely made me get whippy, and that and that's that's a great point to uh to keep in an episode. You know, I've done this wrong. I wonder if you've had any experiences with this and maybe we can even sort out what to do right. When the guest gets vulnerable with you and is telling you something where maybe even you want to cry, how how do you continue, do you keep asking questions? You know, how do you approach those things? Because I've definitely done that wrong, I think. So 
it's it's different for me, I think, because I'm so often speaking to a researcher. And so the researcher will tell me about things that happen um, to other people or to or whatever, like what what a patient might experience or something like that. So it's not necessarily so much about them, although I did. I did. Now I'm remembering I have an episode about necrophilia. I told you taboo science. There are a lot of a lot of wild <laughs> topics that we cover. Um, and there was uh, one of the guests did did mention uh, sexual assault that that she experienced. But it had been so long ago that it wasn't even really an emotional moment for her. She was just like, yep, it happened. It actually led me to my current like it led me to my career because I wanted to figure out why people do things the way why people do things like that. But um, but yeah, it's generally it's a little bit removed for for those researchers. Yeah, thankfully, because because I think the worst thing you can do is revert back to interviewer mode and okay, great, next question. You know, it's almost like you need to dwell in for that sure. moment and be in that experience, even if they're not experiencing the you know other people are, and sometimes that can play poorly if they. I mean, one time I paused. Right, someone said something powerful, like you know friend or parent, some, someone had either committed suicide or died or something would happen. And, and I waited and I sort of gave it a pause in my mind and then tried to sort of, you know, I, I followed up, but that was almost too quickly. So it sounded like I just, all right, cool. Thank, thanks, bro, for sharing. On to the next one. Um, That's, I mean, how, what kind of weird lives do we live where we actually have to hear ourselves like make a faux pas over and over right like i like that's hard to do in a regular conversation when you're just yeah. like sitting at a bar with someone and then and then like oh yeah i did not handle that well but it's in the past now it's like nope there's a recording of it yeah i i totally get that and it's um you know not all podcasters are like social wizards like they, i i'm not <laughs> i'm kind of social i have a little bit of social anxiety myself so it's it's uh, i don't think that i handle things um perfectly every time but you're right. Like, I think if someone is going to share something vulnerable with you, it's a good it's it's only right for you to thank them for being so vulnerable. Not 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 literally necessarily, although you could say, like, thank you for sharing that. That's that's a totally valid thing to to say. But just to acknowledge that they have done something kind of above and beyond for an interview um, by by sharing something like that. Yeah, and and I'm reminded by speaking with you that it doesn't necessarily have to make the cut either. You could sure. even just pull and you know, do an aside. Man, that was incredible. Um, thank you, you know, and ouch or whatever it is. Be in the moment, and if you want to cut that thing out, I again not feeling like everything has to make it in there. And if you need to pause five more seconds, put it in there. Um, craft that absolutely. Thing. Yeah. How does someone with social anxiety end up being like? an award-winning podcaster? Well, I started, I started as, well, I started as a musician, but then I got a, I, I started, my first like office job was as a writer. And I was like, this is perfect because when you're a writer, you don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> that's, that's not true. <laughs> I thought, I was like, I just get to sit at my computer and write things. No, I, and then I had to start interviewing people. And that was like, oh, geez. oh my gosh, it was, uh, you know, my heart would be pounding. Uh, and and I would and a lot of I started writing for Groupon. That was when I first my my first writing job. And so you would do these cold calls of 
people of like massage therapists just to <laughs> write something on the blog about like how to talk to your massage therapist and and you'd call people out of the blue and be like will you talk to me and it was not um they were not always super happy because you know some of them had bad experiences with Groupon as a company so uh that was very stressful but over time you know you just do it enough and you you interview enough people and you you know it becomes second nature and you you start getting used to it so yeah yeah, but I started out just thinking that, like, I would never have to talk to a single person, which is just the biggest mistake. Oh, man, and, and slowly that, it's almost like that inoculated you to be able to, if you, you've done enough of them so that the heart now is only fluttering when it's something important is happening, not just all the time. It's like, come on, man, it, that's, <laughs> you can't have the alarm on all the time. I'm not picking up any signals, like, uh, but it, it's right. calmed itself down and you have the experience now. And that actually you makes you, die. once you're calm, it, yeah, I didn't die. Uh, it, it Being calm makes you a better interviewer because I know early interviews, um, the entire time, like I would lose track of what the person was saying because I was so focused on getting the next question right. And that happened a lot. And I would, it, you know, I would just hope that the recording got what they said because I did not hear it because I was so in my own head. Uh, and so really finding a way to get get comfortable uh with interviewing is going to make you a better interviewer yeah i think that i've definitely experienced that like half the anxiety of doing an interview is knowing that other people are going to hear it and man i hope they don't catch me not paying attention or not knowing the answer you know calling yeah. me out not that anyone's ever going to do that <laughs> But right, just right. that nervousness of, am I going to know what to ask next? Like, what happens if you and I are chatting, you make this brilliant point, I'm like so lost in it, and then I'm just like staring at you awkwardly going like, oh, okay, next question, scramble, scramble, you know? And it might be only right. two seconds for everyone else, but for me, it feels like an eternity of silence. Absolutely, yeah. There's that, yeah, such a big fear of not knowing what to ask next. And How have you the funny thing is, well, oh, yeah, I guess the, the way to deal with that is to really be there in the moment with that person. I mean, there aren't a lot of conversations with friends, I think, that where you don't know what to ask next or you're you're afraid that you're not going to that there's just going to be silence and you're you're going to be stuck um, because you're interested in what they have to say and you're and it, it just kind of comes as second nature. And that's it's the same way with interviews. You just have to be there listening to them. I mean, it's very possible that the last word that they say in their sentence is the thing that's going to spark a question. But but also, sometimes it is okay to just be to just not even say anything to the end of a of a question or to the end of an answer and just move on to your next question because also like nobody likes to hear an interview where at the end of every answer you the the interviewer says right okay next question right okay next question um so it is okay to just not say anything too it's okay to even pause and figure out what you're going to do next you don't have to fill it up with a bunch of things just pause yep. rather than asking a dumb question especially if you're not narrative and you're not going to cut that thing out or maybe you cut that thing out right and even if you want to pause for a while i think sometimes the fear is that it'll slow the energy and the tempo down but maybe the final product doesn't have that. Yeah. 
Also, I mean, I think sometimes for me, it's like you you're afraid that everybody knows that you don't know what to say next (laughs) and they don't know that. Honestly, when you pause, uh, I mean, think about if you were in their shoes and you just finished saying a bunch of stuff. And you finished your thought and the interviewer took a second. I think what I would think was they're really mulling this over. They're really thinking about what I said. Like they appreciated what I said and they're they're trying to come up with a really good question. At least that's what I think. So I I think pausing is actually really good. This podcast is so meta. Do you like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, one of the things I like to do with uh, with that is I'll write down one of those words that is like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go down that rabbit hole with you. I'll write that down. And that's my thing. And as soon as I've found that next thing, where if I, if the next word you say doesn't take us on to another thing, I know I I can always come back to that word, right? That's a, Um, yeah, that's a great way to do it. I mean, taking notes is is the best. Yeah. Yeah. But then I can get lost, back lost in, I'm just like listening to you. And if, if a word triggers, great. If it doesn't, I'm still here. But then, like right now, when we've exhausted this topic, I know that I want to come back to this other thing, which is rituals. I wonder if you have any rituals before you do an interview, before you hit record, maybe lessen that anxiety, or maybe you've trained it all out. But are there any things you've done before to to set yourself right? No. So, gosh, I wish I wish I could say yes and be like, oh yes, I do a <laughs> yoga practice before every interview. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'm just coming by the seat of my pants. Uh, but what I'm trying to do more, and as someone with social anxiety, like this has been something that I have to like actively practice, uh, is just chatting up top without the record button on, uh, just talking to the guest because it makes me more comfortable. It makes them more comfortable. It kind of builds some chemistry and, you know, five, five minutes at least, uh, of just talking about stuff. Um, sometimes that can be, you know, oh, is your microphone set up, blah, blah, blah. But like, hopefully it's, oh, where are you based? Oh yeah, I've been there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's, I think that's really important. And it's something that I'm trying to do more and more. I've been on podcasts with people who are like very gregarious and they'll spend 15, 20 minutes chatting before, before the interview. And I mean, I know when I'm doing, I'm like, do you really, it's like, we're, wasting a little bit of time here but you're no this is fine I'm, I'm gonna go with it but um it it makes me feel so much more relaxed and it makes the the podcast uh feel a lot a lot smoother so cool great i mean what a great point to bring up and again it's so meta right we chatted beforehand you just got mm-hmm. home from the airport we're chatting a little bit reminded me Asheville. you know just, just different you know things we chatted about and and i love that best practices are just flying out of you the facts are flying out of you without even realizing the idea of like the five minutes but when you go a little bit too long you start getting those experiences like you had where you're like huh are we maybe starting to waste time here versus i mean the point of it's not to chit chat forever but to get to the interview so there's a certain time point where after five minutes we might be wasting good interview time yeah, I think that's right. Especially if it's a, you know, a busy professional that you're talking to who has, you know, a, a hard stop. Like you don't want to you want to get to the point. But you do like some of that chit chat, you know, it can feel wasteful, but it is it is important to do for at least yeah. a little bit. 
You know, I like to start before I hit record. I like to thank the guest for coming um, again, That's like good. just as a quick, cause I feel like it, I don't know, this could be completely bizarro, but I feel like it puts me in a, a place of like gratitude, right? Right beforehand. I'm grateful. The guest is like, Oh, we're, we're feeling our gratefulness just now. And then we're hitting record, you know? So if they are nervous, cause sometimes you have, you know, we're the nervous interviewer, but we have guests that are nervous. Yeah. And it'd be great to put them in a good position. Have you dealt with, especially your scientists, have you dealt with nervous guests? I have. So especially I was an interviewer for the AGU, the American Geophysical Union, that was doing a, a series just talking to, uh, to scientists in various fields. And a lot of them had never done an interview before. It was just people who... I'm just a scientist. I go to work and I come home uh, and, you know, I asked them about their career and their hobbies and just just it's basically just like get to know a scientist. Like what are scientists like? And so, yeah, a good number of them were very, very nervous about about things. And it's uh, I honestly one of my biggest compliments from that uh, experience was one of one of the people who started out uh, the interview just just admitting like I have a lot of stage fright. I'm I'm very nervous right now. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of reassured her and I was just like, it's just a conversation. We're just chatting. It's fine. Everything's editable. If you say something wrong, we can edit it out. It's it's totally great. And at the very end, she's like, thank you like that. You really put me at ease. And I felt a lot, a lot uh, more calm about it. And that was like that was huge. I because I, I really tried to and, and I was really glad that it came through. And you're able to give those assurances. And now on these kind of, because the interview is not as important, the, um, the, the, the raw interview is not as important because you're going to kind of edit it. Do you do like a prep call beforehand or are you just more just showing up and, and setting some assurances there than just hitting record? It's, this is another meta one because we talked about this on our prep call. Um, we did. <laughs> I, am, I am sort of anti-prep call just because... I don't know. I just want to get to the point uh, and I, I don't want to waste people's time. And it doesn't I'm not saying the prep calls always waste people's time. Your prep call was a quick 15 minutes. It was it was easy. It was painless. Uh, and it also helped us uh, kind of build some chemistry so that I wasn't meeting you for the first time on the right. interview, which which is great. So I, I totally respect prep calls. And if that's part of your process, I think that's great um, for me. I just I don't know. I I, um, I think maybe it is partly that. I know that I can edit the interview later, so I um, so I don't do them. I also just it might be a confidence thing. Like I don't want to ask too much of these, you know, busy researchers. Uh, so I don't I don't ask for the the prep call. But uh, yeah, I think it's I I do it all just kind of one shot. Yep. Yeah, I think that makes sense though. Like I am very pro prep call, and uh, but for for like a interview conversational podcast i think it can really really helpful uh yeah whereas i totally understand that if you're in that narrative format you could you can literally have some of that rapport and relationship building during that conversation and then just not air them uh sure so, but yeah, I think either way happens right either way you need to carve time for it rogan's gonna be drinking and smoking with someone for half an hour before they're confident and calm enough to maybe you know share the good stuff um so maybe right. that just is is in the the five minutes you're mentioning before hitting record, just a little bit of 
meet and greet beforehand. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't possibly let you get out of here without talking a little bit more about Descript. So what's the deal? Uh, let's tell people about it. I love it. It's huge. Every post- podcaster should be using it. What's the deal? Yeah. So Descript is an AI-powered audio and video editor. It The way it works is you upload your recording or you record in the app and it makes an automatic transcription of your audio or video. And then you edit based basically just like it's a word doc. You can if you take out a word, it takes it out from the recording, which makes it really visual and very intuitive and a great way to edit, especially, um, like I said, narrative podcasts. Um, It also but the video part, like I'm not a video editor, but I am making a video component of every single episode this season. And it's so easy to to edit video with this thing. I I really love it. Um, but yeah, that's a, a whole lot of the the top podcast houses use Descript in their in their first stages of their podcasts. The the interview transcription, the the editing together the story and figuring out where everything goes. Um, and then and then you know many of them will when they, you know they have their their sound engineers and stuff and they will export the timeline to you know, audition, pro tools, whatever, uh, to do the the final polishing. But they they really rely on uh on Descript for that that first uh that first pass to figuring out like how the story all goes together. But yeah, yeah I I love amazing. it. It's great. Yeah. We love it. We use it here too. Big fans. Shout out from everyone here at Ringmaster. Um big <laughs> fans of Descript. So where can people get connected with not only Descript, but you? Throw out some social channels, some URLs, those kind of things. All right. So I am mostly on Twitter at Smashley Hamer, S-M-A-S-H-L-E-Y-H-A-M-E-R. Um, my podcast is at Taboo Science on Twitter. Also, you can find the whole podcast at tabooscience.show or on okay. any podcast app that you fancy. Yeah, Whatever app uh, you want to use. Yeah, that's, that's about everything. Yeah. Heck yeah. Ashley, you are amazing. Thank you so much for coming on here. I have just been like learning left and right, writing things down. Um, just and even thinking about my own thinking about how I've been doing things. It's so great to just, you know, take a second, just think about these interview tech tactics and techniques with you. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. You know, honestly. In talking to you, I've thought of some other like I've I've kind of come down to some things that I want to do better. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to implement those. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's what <laughs> I'm talking about. And for those people listening, if you learn something and I freaking know you did because I literally have three pages of notes. That's a world record. <laughs> three pages of notes. Normally it's two. Everyone's going to be all <laughs> freaked out now, but three pages of notes. Um, so share this with someone else. If you learn something, uh, LinkedIn's a great place for that. One person, three people, 9,000. Uh, but put your take. Like, what was your big takeaway? Was it the find the emotion? Was it descript and looking into that? You know, whatever those things are, put that in the comments. Put that in your description. Ashley and I will hop in there. We'll do some comment battles. It'll be great. Um, and again, that's thought leadership. Um, so good. Thank you so much again for being on here. Thank you. It was so much fun. All right, everyone. This has been the greatest, coolest episode yet of creating the greatest show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. 
find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.